very careful to supply us with good shepherds, and today it's experts and scientists that that tell us what to do, because we're rather too silly to understand all these things ourselves, and we have been trained since birth to be obedient to and follow the experts. Lord Bertrand Russell wrote copiously about this back in the 1950s and 60s. Well, I hear some ads coming up, and I'll be back after these messages. Get ready for Real Talk Radio. You're listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Hello, I'm Alan Watt, filling in for John Statmiller for a couple of hours, and I believe we have a caller from Pennsylvania called Mark. Are you there, Mark? Alan, are you there? Hello? Alan? Yes. Uh, you are, uh, I hate to use the word hero, but I don't use that lightly, and I'm using it for you. You're the man. I'm the man, eh? Okay. <laughs> um, I have several questions, and I'll run through them real quick. Anyone who is knighted, would they be considered on the other team? Yes. So, for example, and this is really going to disappoint my wife, Elton John, who she yeah. loves so dearly, mm-hmm. he's knighted. Uh, not good, and you're in the music industry, so you probably know a little bit more about him than most people do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ron Paul is he delivered to us as a hero, as you talk about? Um, that may or may not be. The fact is, uh, with Ron Paul, uh, let's be honest, politics is a con game. We've, we've been through this with Pat Buchanan and and uh, a whole bunch of David Duke, and they had. Uh, a whole bunch before that. They always give you a hero. And the problem is, it's the public's fault because they look for someone else to do all of this for them. That's the problem. Uh, there's a uh, website that has a quote from him in Congress appraising the Vatican. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's what kind of, because uh, I was a Ron Paul, I was, for the first time, I was going to vote in 22 years. I know you've never voted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was all excited about voting for Ron Paul. And I know this is going to bode well for the the station we're listening to. Um, but that kind of opened my eyes, and then there were a few other things that he's talked about. For example, he's denied that he has any links to the 9-11 truth movement, that sort of thing. So I think people should really look into that. Uh, hopefully we're wrong about that. It would be nice to have someone who is uh, uh, so into doing the right thing. And also, isn't the word constitution, the first three letters, con? That's right. The con is the con. It means a lot of things in the old mystery religions. You'll find very important words come from C-O-N. And and sure, it's a con. It is a con. Um, I mean, when they say that he's into, he's Mr. Constitution, Mm -hmm. uh, that's not a good thing, is it? It's a con of standing. In masonry, Freemasonry, uh, and the founding fathers were Freemasons, they, they talked about people in good standing, upright people. And so the Constitution really is the con of the standing,
Jones uh, system that came over from England to create utopia in the United States. And even Henry Ford did the same thing with his Ford uh, Family Foundation. All of his workers had to basically go to him. He would come into their homes if there was even disputes with the workers to settle the affairs. They believed they were high knights, you see, and had the right to, to rule the lesser in a beneficial way. Uh, I have two more things, then I want to um, actually help you. Uh, David Ogilvie of Ogilvie and Mather. Do you know anything about him? I know the Ogilvies in Britain, yeah. Uh, he's, he uh, wrote books on advertising, and I'm in the advertising business, which is uh, actually listening to for the last two months. I've uh, been listening to your podcast so often that I've actually have haven't been begging for sex as often to my wife. That's probably a good thing for her. But in all seriousness, he predicted thirteen nice number thirteen changes in his book on page uh, two seventeen. Anyone in the advertising business can see this. And, and prediction number seven is. Advertising will play a part in bringing the population explosion under control. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And so is he one of the propagandists then? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, loose change. If I were to, uh, you know, I'm always trying to wake people up. Um, is, is loose change a movie that I should wake people up with, or is that a distraction? Uh, I have to say that I haven't even seen it. <laughs> really? I haven't seen it, no. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's one of the movies that, um, you know, came along the scenes and woke a lot of people up to 9-11 Truth. Mm -hmm. um, all right, so now here's my proposition. Um, I've heard you say in several of your podcasts that you know of a handful of people who have donated to your cause to help you out. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to add to that. How do I go about sending you, you want an international uh, money order, maybe you might want to explain that to people who don't know what that's all about. Well, if they're, if they're in the U.S., they have two options. They can either send a personal check or uh, an international postal money order you get from your post office. It has to be international to get cashed in Canada. But a personal check will be cashed all right in Canada without a problem now from the U.S. Now, here's the key. You said that you get some of your mail opened. And you said mm -hmm. you can only count on a handful of people. You actually know the people who have donated to you. Mm -hmm. um, how do we know that? The, how do you know that money being sent to you isn't being stolen to further uh, quash your speech? Uh, well, most of the ones who send it uh, will email me that it's oh, okay. on its way. So uh -huh. you do respond to email then? Yeah. Okay. Um, my final question is: What would put a smile on your face? A smile what, can, what, what can we do mm -hmm. that will put, because let's face it, you're depressing, Alan. I mean, we, I listen to That's you religiously, it. and mm -hmm. I don't want you to be depressed. Yeah, yeah. What can I do, and what can people listening do to put a smile on your face? What would be utopia for you? Well, the only utopia is to, to rather than go the way we're supposed to go by the way we're guided, or by opposing them in the way they expect us and, and actually predict that we shall oppose them, we have to find another way out of this and we have to start being humane to each other uh, for a change. we become so selfish and cut off from each other, we have lost what we called society. And when we lose society, we lose everything. Once people start to, to change this, turn off that television set and communicate with each other uh, then, and really communicate then believe you me, the agenda will be in trouble very quickly. So this is this is a doable thing. I mean, it doesn't take someone... You see, I think 
when people say protesting and screaming until Bullhorn and all the other uh, radio shows we know about, that's really BS, quite frankly. All we have to do is wake the people up. I mean, in football, if we all know that the blitz is coming, if the quarterback knows there's a blitz, he's not going to run the blitz, right? Uh-huh. So that's all it really we reach my mom always says she's not with me on this one. My dad's starting to come on the side. She's like, Well what can we do about it? And I said, Well I think we need to talk about it. We need to let people know that's that true. if they're saying uh that vaccines are good for us and we reject that, then they won't do this to us. Mm-hmm. Is it a simple and, and I think is too we must we must spend time with the younger ones because most people today are so caught up and being busy and running around, they ignore the youth, and the, the youth are getting all of the reality, what they think is reality, from television right. and, and school. And, and they're cut off. They have no bonding. We've got to get through to them to give them uh, that will, to start that will off, because they're going to get the brunt of the changes, you know, and we cannot leave the, that to them. So is turning off the TV probably the biggest step people can take? Absolutely. Uh, uh, all the big boys said back in the 1950s that television would be the main indoctrinational instrument that would be used. And that's why they imported uh, millions of them into Britain. The government imported millions of them, refurbished uh, television sets from DER company, which is red backwards, of course. Right. And, and they made sure that everyone could afford it. And, and Britain, these cheap television sets. China has done the same. They wanted the, the whole nation to have a television set by 2005, in fact. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very important for them to have the propaganda instrument right there in the home. And it's also the main agent for the destruction of the family. If a man is sitting looking at young uh, nubile dancers every night of the week, he's going to start to, to uh, lose interest in his wife and vice versa. The women are looking at the soaps all day long and looks at old Harry over there with his working hands and it becomes less appealing. This is meant to destroy. It's also meant to condition the youth into looking for the powerful because youth who have no contact with any authority uh, will actually try and seek or crave authority and they take the, those who are most powerful. What they're being seen, what they see today as powerful are the soldiers, the guys in black uniforms with machine guns. We have to break the cycle before it's too late. Well, it's interesting you say that. Let's call spade a spade. Uh, you know, women get romance novels as their porn also, correct? Yeah, they do. And is that delivered to us by the big boys also? Absolutely. In fact, if you go to any used bookstore, they'll tell you, even if they have collections of collector's books, their biggest turnover, the thing that keeps them all going, are, are recycled so-called romance stories. And sure enough, I had no idea until some people pointed out to me these romance stories are, are just uh, completely having uh, sex with one stranger after another. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you go to, like, Goodwill or used, you know, uh, one of them type places, and it's uh, mind-blowing how many yeah. romance novels are there. I, right. I'll, let, I'll let you run, but I still didn't really get the full answer on what would put a smile on your face. If I were to send you, and the people listening to this were to send you $50 or $100 or $500, yeah. obviously... Or maybe not, obviously, with you. I, I have a hard time telling. Um, would $500 put a huge smile on your face, or is that too much or too little? Or I would certainly put a smile on my face because, <laughs> yeah, that way I could pay the insurance on my on my old truck. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, if, if five people listening right now sent you $100, would uh-huh. you send you five, that would put a smile on your face? Absolutely, yeah. Very good. I have great talking to you. What I'll do now is answer the, the first question, because I think you mentioned knighting. Yeah. 
uh, uh, well, Elton John uh, is part of the culture creation industry. Yeah, please go into this, because my wife uh, is almost there on the truth side, and this is going to devastate her, so go ahead. Well, it's not really to devastate. I mean, the music is good, and uh, he certainly is a fantastic pianist. Uh, however, the guy who writes the words is a different a different author who writes the actual words. Elton John certainly adds the music to it. I'll answer it more fully after these messages. Uh, the youth, the new youth culture, 
uh, free love and all this kind of stuff. It was all intentional. So, so uh, as I say, every British Commonwealth country gets knighted. It's so interesting to, to see even Mayor Giuliani uh, after 9-11 went over and he got knighted by a royalty for going into his basement uh, concrete place where they had continuity of government um, and, and fulfilling his role there. Uh, Kissinger got knighted, Papa Bush got knighted, so many of them go over to Britain and get knighted. And there's a key to this because if you go into people like the Bronfman family, the family that came in from Russia, uh, sat on a farm and bided their time uh, while the railroads came through in the early 1920s, uh, and then suddenly became multi-millionaires uh, with the booze industry during Prohibition. Uh, old Sam Bronfman, who could have bought and sold most people in the U.S., his dying wish was to be knighted by the Queen. And we can ask, why would, why would he need this? Why, why was it so important to him to be knighted by the Queen? It was because the system that runs the legal above system also runs the illegal down below system. And they run both sides of it and have all done through the ages. It's back to the laws of nature and the controlling of opposites once again. That's how you control whole civilizations down through, through the ages. You have a legal system and an illegal system, and you run both sides of, of, the, of the game. That's the control of nature. Sam Brofman donated millions of dollars to the same charity that the Queen and the king uh, uh, donated to in the hope he'd be noticed and asked over to be knighted. Now, today, I don't think they'd have any problem, uh, but back in his day, uh, it wouldn't be seemly, it wouldn't be terribly comely for royalty to knight a known gangster. It's interesting, too, that the Kennedy, old Joe Kennedy, who also was, was a, a partner in this whole game with the Bronfman's, uh, and, and shipped uh, stuff back and forth. They, when they stopped pro uh, prohibition in the U.S., they reversed the flow because Canada got it brought in after the U.S. stopped it, and they reversed the flow of the booze back into Canada. And old Kennedy was a prime mover in all of this uh, vast undertaking at the time. Well, he spent most of World War II uh, in Buckingham Palace with the Queen. Great friends they were. And you have to ask, well, what's this relationship with the British royalty? with gangsters. It's a very interesting thing to go into with lots of history behind it. And then you find that the top bands that brought in the drugs, they brought in uh, the dysfunctional society, the breakup type of the family, um, even the free love which came out with abortion, the whole industry that came from it, you find all of those big groups being knighted by royalty. And yet royalty supposedly was there to keep the old culture going, the old traditional ways. Well, we're finding out now, aren't we? I'll be back after, I think, these messages. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, filling in for John Stadmiller for the next hour and a half or so. And I tell things as they are, some people might think it's, it's, uh, I'm depressed, but I'm not really. In fact, the visitors who come here, the very few who are allowed to come here, generally have a, a good belly laugh once in a while, sometimes quite frequently. However, the topics we're discussing are of the gravest importance because 
the more you understand the predicament we're all in, uh, the heavier the situation. And we have to understand this. It's difficult, I know, when, when money is coming in, you have a good job, uh, and you're doing pretty well, and you have your sex 2.5 times per week, and, and you have your family, and all the rest of it, and you can keep up with the Joneses. But you see, that's not going to last very long. And all hell will break loose because the elite themselves have decided that they don't want this system as it is to last too long. They've told us they're going to drastically change it. Change it by methods which are rather horrible, in fact, to do with population reduction on very large scales. That's a hard thing for people to imagine when they can go out and, and go to work and, and do their work and come back and, and, and play around and so on. But that is actually going to happen. And the boys at the top are not kidding when they talk about their depopulation agenda. It's even more horrific when you realize they've actually been doing it since before we were born through inoculations with with uh, cancers, cancer viruses in the vaccines, that's all been ad admitted to. And of course, they always tell you, well, it was just oversights and mistakes. That's how they get away with it. Until you look into the, the authors of the vaccines and find, you find out they're all eugenicists who belong to eugenic societies, survival of the fittest and best and they believed in reducing the populations and suddenly they're presented as the great benefactors of mankind. We live in a horror show in reality and to try and be exuberantly happy with the knowledge that you accumulate would mean that you are actually nuts. So I'd rather go on an even keel and explain what's happening to society for those who can understand it uh, without cracking up and going to pieces because I am well aware too uh, that bad information on a daily basis can overwhelm a person and depress them as well and put them into a form of nihilistic despair that's not what I'm about what I'm trying to do is show you the bad side first the terrible side and then uh, tell you to start having some faith in yourself and start working towards another way, a better way, because the elite have said this system as it stands now is not sustainable. They decided that a long time ago and published all their findings and they keep republishing their findings to, to an audience that doesn't want to hear it. We have to find another way, but not their way of coming out of this because we have the potential to be far, far greater than we are at the moment. Right now, we're so separated from each other, and that was again was intentional, the separation of not just the family, but the bigger family, the people themselves, and, and divided and conquered almost, that we don't communicate at all to each other, except on trivia and work events and what we've bought and what we're going to buy, like trained robots. We're not expressing uh, human feelings towards each other that's gone by the wayside and that's why people soak up the movies that come out because they crave contact on a deeper level with other human beings we don't have it in real life anymore we don't even know our neighbors and sure enough some of them who are so far gone you might not want to know and that's also true because 
we have a psychopathic system all around us where even ordinary people brought up in it take on psychopathic traits of the dog-eat-dog and they compare each other with what they have rather than who they are. And that's a tragedy, a tremendous tragedy, because the ancients always said to listen to a king or a pauper, you'll always learn something, and that's very, very true. We, we live in a, a world of il- projected illusions, projected through mass marketing companies, but planned in much higher think tanks that comprise specialists in sp- specific areas of society and sociology and psychology. They keep us running in circles, uh, chasing rainbows and illusions, uh, while they go ahead with an agenda which is not to our betterment at all. We have to understand this, and we have to understand the gravity of the situation we're in. We're dealing with people who plan wars. They plan mass killings in advance, like a business plan. They plan how many of the populations they have should be reduced, what type should be reduced, what gender should be reduced, what age group should be reduced. They plan this cold-bloodedly and perfectly, and they make it happen. That's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with people now who are manipulating the weather. I keep telling people to try and get a hold of the book. It's a paperback book. You can pick it up for 75 cents, I understand. It's called The First Revolution. And it's written by the founders of the Club of Rome, one of the premier think tanks on sustainable development. They came up with the term sustainable development. And in the book, you'll find, you'll find the founders talking about uh, the creation of terrible weather through scientific means and then blaming the public convincing the public that they were causing the problems in order to give up all their rights and be managed better by the experts in control. This is all real stuff. They are manipulating the weather. The biggest problem people have today across most of the globe are bronchial infections because of the heavy aerial spraying of aluminum oxide and barium and other metallic substances ask any pharmacist and they'll tell you what their biggest uh, selling products happen to be. You can't doze the air with all of this on a daily basis, and we've had it now continuously for about 10 years. You cannot do this, uh, add this to the air, without side effects showing up, and we're experiencing it. If you were to compare the person of today at 20 years of age with someone of 100 years ago at the same age, We have about half the physical strength that they did, half the stamina. Our immune systems have been targeted uh, by biochemical weaponry through inoculations that we were trained were going to help us boost our immunity. They actually helped destroy our immunity because they wanted to bring the populations down. They discussed it in in think tanks. They published their findings and they're going ahead with even more inoculations uh, for the very, very young, even before the age of two years old, before the immune system is even working. We're dealing with a horror show, in actual fact. That's the reality of it. And one day, 
one day, probably not too far away, we'll wake up to a few shocks as they bring on chaos because their motto is Ordo Ab Chao. They're going to bring order out of chaos. Chaos to them means that everything that you thought was normal will be turned upside down and you'll be panicking in a thousand directions. I have read revelations to some students I've taught over the years and explained the true meanings behind them because Revelations was written by the mystery religion. It's written in the typical mystery language of the mystery religion where they talked about uh, a different type, how many would get saved and how many would perish, how, how you'd have plagues, famines and war, you'd have earthquakes in various places and all of this stuff that had been used in ages past, only this time because of hard work and the gathering of, of the sciences of nature, they have the, the techniques and the sciences to actually make it happen. Harp itself can cause the earthquakes, the, it can control and start tornadoes and, and direct them. It can, it can do all of the things pretty well that Revelations describes. The laboratories, and it's hard to imagine there are people maybe even next door to you that go off to work every day and get paid vast sums of money and, and work on creating new viruses and bacterium that one day are supposed to be released upon the world to kill off a lot of people. And they come home to their wives and children and they seem maybe like normal people to you. These psychopathic creatures exist and they're, they're, they're sought out very early at school for the particular traits and, and trained in a much higher level of knowledge than even professors attain because there are three level of all, levels of all sciences three levels on the go continuously parallel to each other and yet the one at the bottom doesn't know the middle one exists I can remember when Nick Bigage was on the Wendy Mesley show on television in Canada and for some reason I, I, I don't I haven't asked him yet um, he had all of these little handheld gizmos about the size of a, of a television remote and he told Wendy to stand 20 feet away and he pointed at her head and he asked her what she heard she heard music in the middle of her head he said that this equipment was used by the CIA in the 1950s it's obsolete now what size do you think that equipment would be today? And you can bet your bottom dollar that was a solid-state circuitry, micro-circuitry. And this is before the public had even been given the transistor for the transistor radio. They were way ahead of what the public are told they are. And that's the same today. Whatever the science magazines tell you they're actually working on was done on a higher level a long time ago. And that's why it's called research. The searching is done already. You have research. And yet, the controllers above the CIA have even higher weaponry because they wouldn't give it to their workers. They keep that for themselves, just in case. We are living in a time when the old, the old allegory of Eden is coming true because Eden was really uh, an allegory of a perfection of nature. And if nature wasn't good enough and you leave Eden, 
then there's only one direction out of it, and that path leads to exactly where it must always lead, and that's where we are today. It must always lead to man trying to become God, and to to man trying to conquer nature because it wasn't good enough for him. That's even in the Masonic literature that they're there to perfect all that that was left imperfect, not just not just the basic human being himself. And so you'll have an elite who will always use all of these secret sciences because knowledge is power. And if you want to maintain power, you never share all of it with the public. And the most powerful sciences you have, you never share with the public. One day that will be used on the public to bring us to our knees or annihilation, one or the other. If we're brought to our knees, it will still be a form of annihilation because the Borg of the, the Star Trek series that came out of NASA, by the way, because Gene Roddenberry was a member of NASA. He was told to write predictive programming around what their findings were at NASA. And so pretty well everything that, that is to come, you saw in the Star Trek series, a predictable society where everyone, everyone is chipped chipped in the brain and controlled by central computers just like the Borg because when they can predict what everyone is doing they will feel safe at the top psychopaths you understand because of all their dirty deeds fear exposure they're terrified of exposure it's the one thing they fear the most and they fear the public they become paranoid about the general public they hate in fact the general public They've always wanted to dominate them completely. In the past, they've used religions and rewritten every holy book in every land to make the people obedient to the government of whatever type it was or is. But it's never enough, you see. There's always that little possibility that someone will try to obey their god rather than the king. And if that happens, the king might be overthrown. They've worked very, very hard to bring us to this new level where science will control all of us. Now all they have to do, according to their own writings and uh, that they've released from their world science meetings, all they have to do now is convince us, the people, to accept it. And I've no doubt this will be marketed to us by the big uh, spokespeople that people worship on stage, like Dr. Phil or Oprah or others in other countries, the same types. It will be promoted as a wonderful thing for finding your children, not getting lost, or even making a cell phone call from inside your own skull, something that DARPA's already done, basically, according to their own literature, with a paraplegic they tried a brain chip with. He can now email people on a 70% success basis just by thinking about it. That's how they'll sell this whole idea. And the public have been conditioned step by step from television to the computer to the little blueberry handheld uh, gizmo and the iPods to the cell phone and it's, a, it's really a training exercise into getting you to accept the next logical step which is a chip in your brain which you'll be told will do all of the previous things but in fact it will be there simply to control you completely. At Loyola University, they said that this, once everyone is chipped, 
there'll be no society as we thought of it before. There'll be no ability to think as an individual person. He said, think of it more like the hive. And this is a professor from Japan. He says, think of it more like the hive, the beehive. You'll hear the buzzing of thoughts coming from the central computers that are programming the people and and the programs coming back from the people to the computers. Everyone will share this buzzing sound in their head. That is their utopia that they're talking about. And to be honest, it's a bit of a nightmare. I don't think I should be too happy about the prospect of it. I don't think any of us should be too happy at the prospect of us. And we better start speaking out now before they bring it out. They're already conditioning children on a massive, massive scale. And they said they would do this at the Loyola University meeting at Louisiana in the first one about 2001. And I have them on my site under the archives. You should check into them. And um, they said they'd promote this. This will be promoted, in fact, they said, through novels, through cartoons, where the superheroes will have the chips and have all these powers. They'll be in movies, etc. Now, these guys never once talked about politics. They knew better. They work for the elites. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, filling in for John Stadmiller. Now, John will be back tomorrow. He's going to fill in for Jack Otto's show. That's tomorrow, Saturday. And I've just been informed as well that uh, the voice uh, has been all scrambled. My voice has been scrambled this last while. And it's not this phone here. And I'm not on Skype or anything. So I don't know if someone's tampering along the way with, uh, with the telephone. And get, that's not uncommon when I'm on, mind you. I get that in my personal phone calls as well. I also get lots of tapping uh, if, if I'm talking at night with people. Uh, if I talk about the occults, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll give me peace and quiet because they enjoy that kind of stuff. It's better than than uh, the George Norrie show. But if I get onto politics, uh, the young people who are put on the night shift to listen in get get fed up and they start tapping the lines until I change the topics again. But it seems that something's happening with with uh, my voice right now. So remember, tomorrow, as I say, uh, John Stadmiller will fill in for Jack Otto. Uh, that's tomorrow, Saturday. You can look up RBN for the Times. As I was saying, to finish off this hour, though, when you understand more and more of the, the length of this system, how long it's been going on, uh, the, the incredible cruelty that's been inflicted upon countless generations of people, uh, by a small group of elites using a monetary system which they can they can actually employ whole armies by and use on the people it's really been a horror show for, for most people up until fairly recent times we've only had a short break really between wars of some kind of prosperity and a little bit of relaxation yet even the relaxation was filled for us because the elite said if the public have too much time on their hands they might communicate all the more and hence the drive to give us vehicles to occupy our time with such as television and and, and uh, music and so on these were again discussed back in the 18th and 19th centuries how to occupy a public that has more free time on their hands 
Remember, in those days, people worked 16 hours per day. And part of the reason was so that they wouldn't be idle, because idle hands, you know, creates idle minds that create mischief. And the, the elite classes were terribly worried about communication that might happen between working peoples to each other. And they were worried about losing control over a public that had nothing to do for a few hours every day except tell their sad stories to each other and perhaps pass on some wisdom. Who knows where that might lead? Hmm. So there we are. I hope we're still coming in loud and clear. And if not, maybe I can get a new connection for the second hour here and try and bypass this particular line. I have heard that Skype is prone to do this and apparently it's coming in like Skype, but I am not on Skype. So the landline should be better. Perhaps I should phone back in to the radio station and see what line I can come up with. We are living in say dangerous times it's not a time for panic but it's a time for resolution we'll have to be resolute in our ideas and we do it by educating ourselves and communicating with other people in a very precise manner by showing them the documentation that's put out by the present groups the controllers uh, they're, in, they're still in publication these books and once they read these books everything will become clear to them the whys and the wherefores of the present wars wars which are going to change the entire world and the entire way of living because that's what wars are really for not just for the plunder the plunder is certainly part of it I hear the music coming on at the top of the hour and I'll be back after these messages Hi folks, this is Alan Watt back again, standing in for John Stadmiller. I disconnected my line, I tried to, to phone in on a different line, sometimes it happens, you get a better line connection, and the oddest thing happened because for the first five attempts, I couldn't even disconnect the phone, so I don't know what's, uh, what's been happening and, and whoever's listening in between me and the station but something has been going on. For those that think uh, we're all living in a free society, uh, I tend to get proof of the, the opposite quite frequently. I'll mention too now that um, John Stadmiller is standing in for Jack Otto tomorrow. Uh, so look up the, the RBN station for the Times for those who, who want to hear John uh, talking on Jack Otto's show. We've covered some ground today about uh, knighthoods, the knighthoods that are very important to, to those in the, the culture industry. The industry that we take for granted is being of our own, but in reality is there to shape the direction of society. In ancient times, philosophers, mainly in Greece, discussed the fashion industry, the music industry, and, and even, the, even the drama industry, because they said that people will mimic and, and, and sing what they, what they see and hear. People copy. We, we are taught to copy. Children do it naturally. That's why 
television is so important for babysitting them uh, with, from the elite's, uh, the elite's point of view, children mimic what they see. When I can remember when the, the Spice Girls were made to be well-known, really what you had is a group of actors that would have failed in any other job who were put together and songs were given to them and they acted the parts. And they targeted an audience that really was about from 10 years old to about 14 years old. And I only saw one of their, of their um, videos where they were supposedly naked sitting behind seats with their legs spread rather wide open. And that was the message they were given to even pre-pubertal girls was how to be uh, an, an attractive little potential whore. That's how they market these ideas into their heads. The parents think it's all very wonderful when the children start to emulate all this and they laugh at it, never suspecting that all of this was discussed with producers and people who belong to think tanks before the public even saw it. That's how ideas are put into our heads. We're unsuspecting. We think we're being entertained and we think it's all wonderful when little Sally starts to to dress up like the Spice Girls, all spicy and nice. The degree of indoctrination through many, many means is really uh, overwhelming. Uh, television, as I say, has been the main instrument to do it, but all media, m media means the middle, it gives the thoughts to those down below. It brings you to your conclusions, what you think are your conclusions, by, by picking certain bits of information, omitting others, and knowing your logic, you will come to the proper conclusion, which you, you, you will think is your own. It used to be laughable in Britain with all of the different types of newspapers, which I'll go into after these messages. Hi folks, Alan Watt standing in for John Stadmiller on this Friday. Before the last commercials I was talking about the newspaper industry in most countries, Britain really ran the prototypes of the different kinds of newspapers that would come out. They used to have the state old conservative types which were large newspapers. They were meant for reading in trains for the business community as they traversed from the, from the urban areas into the cities. But then they came out with the tabloid types. And it was comical even with their names because the, the tabloid types would have the star or the sun, all these occultic Masonic symbols, as well as the state conservative types would have the observer and, and the globe and stuff like that. So nothing really changes. They understand the psychology of classes of people. It's, it's, it's ridiculous to think, if you do think, they live in a classless society. Some people are so naive, they really have fallen for this, because the class system has always been alive and well. In fact, the monetary system in its essence is a class system. It created the class system of, of different categories of people who are successful within it. And the tabloid 
papers would always uh, start off with page three girls of course that's the first place you look at when they used to do that understand, understand now it's page three boys because uh, apparently tastes have changed somewhat over the years but that's what they used to have and they'd always have sports on the front page as though that was the only important thing that the working person was supposed to think about uh, unfortunately it often was it certainly became that way when uh, things were happening in the world around you and in your own immediate environment and yet all they could talk about on the front page was some team uh, that scored a goal uh, it was quite an interesting thing to, to observe in a detached sort of way and then they'd have even their cartoonists their favourite cartoonists and those cartoonists would play the political stuff by by doing caricatures of the current politicians all very acceptable because it still made you think that politics was real and it was funny to see members of uh, the cartoon community uh, being knighted as well uh, along the way, or at least getting the order of the British Empire, the OBE, as it was called. I can remember when the Beatles first got their OBE uh, for, for doing their work towards the system. And at least in, in those days, uh, when Britain decided to go to war somewhere and make some unpopular decisions, the Beatles had the guts to uh, hand back their OBEs because they disapproved of what was happening. So it was rather annoying to see later on uh, Paul McCartney accepting a knighthood and becoming Sir Paul McCartney, whereas if Lennon had lived, I, I would like to have heard what he was going to say because he certainly understood the game and he would, didn't want to be part of it, certainly towards the end. We live in a a very manipulated world where reality as you know it is not normal at all it's only one uh, perception that, that you've been taught is the current uh, appropriate perception and you will bounce off that from other people around you to see if you're normal that's how people test each other if they have the same opinions as me then I must be normal now, they could tell you the world is flat again if it suited them. And as long as everyone else is parted, well, I guess the world is flat, then that would be the new normal, and you'd think you're quite sane. Normal is whatever they give you for any particular period in history. If you read the writings from ancient Egypt and Greece and the Middle East, you'll find that they'd always understood the world was round, and uh, it was really to suit a biblical concept and really to dumb the people down in a more um, uh, appropriate manner uh, of control that they reintroduced the flat earth idea. And we all know, as I say, that the world really is round because after all we've seen the, the NASA pictures, haven't we? So we take that for granted too. We live in a matrix, a matrix that projects images to us all the time each each perception that you have is done through sound or touch or hearing or seeing and we interpret it what we think is correctly and then bounce off our perceptions from from and to other people it never occurs to us that each sense that we have is a language a specialized language on its own a language that can be fooled 
can be fooled by sounds, for instance, and be mistaken. Today we can create artificial emulations of real sounds or real, real creatures. The same with visual perception. These things were discussed by guys like B.F. Skinner, the, the guy who really went into psychology in a big way for behaviorism, the part of behaviorist uh, psychology, which was really sponsored from the big think tanks to, to find ways of manipulating human behavior on a mass scale. And Skinner was given all kinds of awards and credits for, for coming up with these uh, ideas from empirical tests that he carried out on animals and with his own daughter. He made a cage for his daughter and put her in it uh, and observed her reactions to different things. This is the kind of person that was employed by the big boys. Now, you can imagine if uh, your next-door neighbor was doing that, it would get into the newspapers in no time at all, and be, he would be called uh, all kinds of names and put inside prison. But when it comes to the elite doing the same kinds of things on a much greater scale, there's, there's a silence, uh, and then there's applause because they're given a Nobel Prize or something. And we, we actually take their findings and, and respect the people. We even respect monsters because, because we're taught to respect monsters. Uh, he did a great thing for society. We're told he, he helped unlock all of those things that make us tick. But who does it help? Who, does, who benefits? Well, the psychopathic elite at the top benefit because they have new methods and insights into how to control us and how to manipulate our reality. What makes us happy? What makes us sad? How do you manipulate both of those extremes? It's very simple. Just look at the biggest, most popular television shows over the years. Some of them were very simple with a handful of actors uh, revolving around a bar in a neighborhood where everyone knew everyone else and you had your postman and your barman and the barmaid and all the different characters and they'd have their fallouts and their little dramas but they'd always get back together again and the reason that those little comedies were so important was because it filled a great gap, a gulf the big black hole in everyone's soul today it gave a sense of belonging and a sense of community something which we have lost has been hammered out of us in fact by our current system yet we still crave it and those programs become more dear and the fictional characters in those programs become more dear than people we actually know that's what's happened to society it's effectively been almost destroyed and simply because we can cooperate with each other uh, when we're driving to work and not smash into each other through aggression or whatever doesn't mean society is actually working. It just means we're all cooperating along an economic system. And as long as we all share in it to a little bit at the bottom, we won't turn on each other. When the money supply one day is turned off and you can't buy those essential things that you have been taught you need, you must need to survive for your basics, you will see society turn in to a chaos, a planned chaos, and then the solutions will gradually come forth. 
and you'll find that most people will accept those solutions because they'll have no option and, and they will actually see no other option. That's what we're being trained into. Again, these scenarios have been discussed and published by the top think tanks that are employed by even people like the Pentagon and the Tavistock Institute in London, which really is the world's premier, the, the first major think tank to deal with behavioral psychology on a grand scale. That's the world we're living in, a planned, predictable world with a planned agenda. Anything that could evolve from society by itself is immediately infiltrated and taken over because as they've always known for thousands of years, any true movement that came out from the grassroots that was unauthorized would have unforeseen rippling effects through society. It could upset the whole apparel cart and throw off any agenda and certainly upset the elite's plans for the future. However, that's what we must do. We must start becoming humane again, bringing back all of those faculties and abilities to the fore that helped us get through hard times in the past. When you think back, it's not too far at all in the past, not, not too far at all when we lived collectively before Karl Marx, before he came along with his Marxian ideas of communism or the Trotskyist idea of continuous revolution. At that time, people at least felt some security with each other. They could count on each other to help each other out during hard times, and they had many hard times. They were also a suppressed people in the Middle Ages, for instance, which really didn't stop until around the 1700s. Even then, very slowly, I'll be back after the following messages. Now we have 
Mike in New York uh, phoning in. Are you there, Michael? Hi, Alan. Hello. Hi, Alan. Um, regarding uh, regarding um, the, the encroachment of the police state, you know, which is happening on a daily basis now, it seems to me that the United Kingdom is the exemplar where all of these total totalitarian measures are being tested and actually implemented. Uh, for instance, um, the country is blanketed with these uh, CCTVs all over the place. Um, there's extreme PC where you have to uh, watch your speech, uh, like if you're talking in a bar, for instance. Um, the media, especially the Beeb, the BBC, it's so sort of sappy. It's you know it instills a uh, it, it it creates a a blameless public that's very docile, uh, which makes me very dubious about whether people would even recognise your message, uh, would even recognise what your message was all about, even if it was spoon fed to them. And, uh, you know, they're talking of the UK, it seems that barely a day passes without another egregious example of, a, of, an, of an invasion of privacy. Uh, for instance, uh, the police over there are now testing um, helmets with uh, miniature cameras in. They can take a sample of your DNA if you have a minor, a minor, uh, a minor traffic violation, and they enter this on the national uh, database. And uh, another example is the local councils can now, uh, you know, walk around your house, and if they think you've made any improvements, they can slap on a uh, tax. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, it, uh, it's sort of amazing to me how how much abuse people can take without without uh, without it, without it sort of eliciting any objection. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah understand that uh, there's no doubt about it uh, uh, Britain certainly was was an advance of all the countries uh, to do with the techniques of controlling the people and the people's minds uh, part of it of course as you know was um, was uh, the early programming put on in television to do with with police like Dixon of Dot Green was one of the first ones yeah and stuff like that, like your local police, it gave you a completely false perception of what the police were really all about. And then they give you all the old worldly stuff, the 1920s, or, or, or even a, an Edwardian England, where everything was ordered and very simple. Uh, it was a, a skewed view of reality. But, uh, but Britain really was the premier for controlling different classes of people. And, and knowing what to project to them to keep each one always always divided but fairly content with each other under a, a, apparently a cohesive nationalistic uh, purpose. Um, they were very good at convincing the public that each war was going to somehow benefit them or the world in general for the better, for the greater good. And yet, as you know yourself, the general public did nothing but suffer. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you agree then that the UK is in fact a testing ground for all of these uh, totalitarian measures? There's no doubt. In fact, when the OSS during World War II, uh, before it came the CIA, 
when it really um, started merging with with MI6, uh, they said in their own publications at the time that they would have to adopt the British system of mass control for population, for the for the control of the mind, to to ride out the storms of the future. And they sent uh, masses of scientists over to the specialist laboratories in England, uh, like the Tavistock Institute, uh, to learn the techniques of doing it. The thing is this, that uh, not, not one in a thousand has any idea, you know, what the hell is going on. That's right. They, they, ha- they haven't a clue what's going on. Yeah, uh, it's uh, kind of ironic that... Uh, the um, uh, the warnings of George Orwell, you know, what he warned about is is uh, taking place in a country where he was born. It is. In fact, he was born in India, but you know, he's yeah, yeah. Okay, Alan, thanks. Talk to you again. Back after these messages, I'm Alan Watt. Tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hi, folks. Alan Watt here again, standing in for John Stadmiller, and we have Robert in Canada on the line. Hello, Robert. Hi, Alan. How are you? Not so bad. That's good. As uh, Robert in Halifax. Uh, I just got a couple questions for you, Alan. Um, uh, years ago, uh, I was a member of the Knights of Columbus. Um, well, since then, I'm not a member and uh, lost a lot of my beliefs. But uh, anyways, uh, I was wondering if you, uh, is there any connection between, the, say, the Knights of Columbus and uh, Freemasonry? Yeah. And yeah, the Knights of Columbus really came out of uh, a Freemasonic movement that, that hid itself even from the Pope at the time, uh, coming out as a Catholic institution. And later on, it was the following Pope who realized what they were actually doing when they asked for a Masonic charter to be introduced, and that's when he, he banned uh, Freemasonry for a while, and they kind of went undercover. But since all the leadership in the world, including the good shepherds of all peoples, are all in cahoots, and they have been and for most of the 20th century, they have to all be connected to bring all the peoples of the world together, then they're out in the open. And Knights of Columbus members now are allowed even to go to the Blue Lodge and mix with the Blue Lodge members and what they were taught before were their arch enemies. When you look at at all the symbols and uh, passwords and so on, they're identical, including the Green Man and all the rest of it, you know. Mm -hmm. It's all pre-Masonic, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, if I remember the history of it there, the... uh it started in um, New Haven, Connecticut, and I think it was 1882. And uh, yeah. it's funny, like uh, New Haven's also where uh, the uh, Skull and Bones, I believe, uh, is based. Yeah. I don't know if there's a connection there or not, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, I think you mentioned uh, one time on another show, uh, uh, I think it was on the Visigoth show, uh, how uh, the um, Protestant, um, excuse me, the Protestant Re- Revolution was uh, like a dialectic uh, to usher in the Industrial Revolution. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt on that. In fact, uh, um, Luther himself, remember, was a, a Catholic priest. Yes. And uh, he was living in the days when people were burned for heresy, etc. And yet he was called up to see uh, his bosses and allowed to go free and continue his work. 
And if you look at the coat of arms, it's very telling because you see the rose and cross, the three three roses and three crosses, the, the Rosicrucian. Uh, that's what it stood for. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was sent out into the world. They knew uh, the powers elite that be that always controlled the world, uh, that they'd have to create the dialectic because Catholicism in itself was really meant and created to control an agricultural society of serfdom in a feudal system. Mm-hmm. But they had to introduce a new system of thrift and money and a form of meanness, you might say, uh, and a middle class. Mm-hmm. So in came the Protestant Revolution. And they used to say that a good Protestant back in the, in the, in the 17 and 1800s was a man who was sitting at his desk all day uh, doing figures and his books and working out all, all his um, incomes, etc. That was classified in the church as being a very good Protestant, a dedicated man. The so that, that work, was the work reason ethic? for it. Yeah. <laughs> was that, is that the uh, Protestant work ethic? Uh, that's right. That's, what it, that's where that came from, yeah. Also, uh, say when uh, like uh, Lutheranism uh, entered into uh, Germany and Anglicanism uh, in uh, England and whatnot, uh, like uh, say the King Henry VIII uh, took over the, like the the Catholic Church and churches in England, and uh, I guess they became his possession, I suppose. And like, who would have uh, also like taken over the monasteries and the the churches and the the, the gold and the wealth? Uh, I guess the, the state, or would it be uh, the uh, some of the um, the leaders at that time, the rulers. It, it was all of that. Uh, the, the the king and the aristocracy, the his cousins and hundreds of cousins, the nobility, all shared the loot mm-hmm. of, of uh, the old abbeys, etc. And uh, King Henry the Eighth himself became really the Pope of England. Even today, the head of the Anglican Church is the present monarch. Right. Yeah. The, the Queen is the uh, still the uh, defender of the faith, I believe. That's right. Well, Prince Charles uh, said uh, a few years ago, he changed it to defender, the defender of faiths, plural. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Prince Charles himself is the head of the, of the integrated um, Eastern religious societies as well. So, so it's quite interesting to watch this progress. <laughs> That's all pretty interesting. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you, Alan. And I'd just like to invite your listeners to check out your website and uh, to purchase your uh, your um, DVDs and, and CDs because it's all very interesting. It will help to open open our, um, all of our minds. And, uh, and I was just want to thank you for taking my call. And thanks for, for calling in. Okay, thank you, Alan. Bye. Yeah, the, the, the Knights of Columbus, and at the bottom ranks, remember, they're, they're no different than the Blue Lodge. They have the little perks. They get into contracts of local government, uh, little deals like that to get off with, with certain fines or fees, etc. So there's little perks on the way to get promotions within the society by fellow members, but they really don't know the bigger picture because they used to call Isis the, the goddess with a thousand faces. And what it meant was is the thousand secret societies that all think they're independent but are working towards the same goal. That's still in effect today. It's also used for the thousand points of light that um, George Bush Sr. gave uh, amongst his New World Order speech on September the 11th, very interesting date in 1990, which he repeated on September the 11th, 1991, just by coincidence, of course. But he talked about uh, a thousand points of light are working towards this very goal right now. 
you'll find in the writings of, of in the memoirs of Benjamin Franklin that he called himself a point of light. Uh, this is a, the illumined one. That's what it meant. He was an illumined one. Today it also means the illumined uh, NGO groups, the big organizations. They're all working uh, together towards this common world goal of a eugenics program, if you like, uh, where only the illumined will have conscious minds and the profane, those in the darkness, uh, the, the junk genes, as they call it, uh, will be no more of a problem to them. You can go into the works of um, Adam Weishaupt. He's widely touted by mistake and by design, I think, as being the first person to, to, to start the Illuminati, and that's utter nonsense because if you go into the Oxford dictionaries going back over the centuries, you'll find that the term Illuminati first used in the 1500s, long before Weishaupt was on the go. If you go into the creation of the Jesuit order, you'll find that Ignatius Loyola, uh, when he was caught by the Catholic Church for attacking uh, different monasteries himself with his band of outlaws, uh, was actually a member of the Alumbratos, or the Illumined Ones in Spain. And uh, they were a remnant of the Knights Templars that had been dispersed. They called themselves different names in different countries. So the Illuminati have always been there, but Weishaupt, because he was such a, an arrogant, uh, boastful type of psychopath, did put out a lot of information uh, about their agenda. And he was only one part, remember, of, of a whole organization that was worldwide at that time. And he, he did say that... Um, through foundations, through the creation of great foundations and wealth, uh, they, would, they would promote their agenda through charitable works. That's how it would appear to the general public, through charitable works for good deeds. But we hear of a good deed being done, but we seldom look at it uh, in any close detail. It isn't until you open the curtain and look behind it, you find it as a different agenda or some other outcome will come from this good deed. That's how these big foundations work. He called them philanthropic organizations. Uh, you find the same thing said by, uh, by Pike, the, the so-called Pope of, of uh, the Blue Law, of, or the, the, the Scottish Rite of Freemasonry, who talked about the creation of foundations. And he said, by the accumulation of money, by all means possible, even the stock market, he said, we shall become masters over the masters of the world. Uh, and that was their agenda. The Scottish Rite of Freemasonry also gave you famous people like Jesse James and, and others who robbed and collected the money for the organization to create these foundations. That's how they got started. Tremendous history in all of this. You'll find before Jesse James, when the pirates were on the go with their skull and bones flag called the Jolly Roger, uh, they were just the remnants of the Knights Templars who had the largest fleets in the world at that time and they plundered every ship they could find of its cargo and its treasures to accumulate wealth and they buried them often in the eastern seaboard of what became the United States later on. Some families just happened to be allocated certain plots when they moved in to the Americas and happened to be sitting on these treasures and those particular families are the famous ones of today. They knew where they were going and they knew where the treasures were, were buried. This is old history. 
and you must go into the old histories written around that period to find it. But it's not too difficult if you're determined. There's, there's a lot to this world of ours uh, that we take as just happening by chance and thrift and a little bit of, of uh, intelligence, whereas in fact it's a planned agenda, as was the creation of the Americas. We know that the Knights Templars came across to Oak Island, this is called off Nova Scotia, and that was supposedly where they buried a vast amount of their treasures. And remember, the Knights Templars were the first real bankers, international bankers of their day. They introduced a form of checking accounts. Checking comes from the checkerboard of chess, because on a big, big board in the outside air, they would move these drafts around, and that was their profits and their loss and what was due them, their debts, etc. That's how it was worked out. And even today, the man in charge of the British Treasury is called the Chancellor of the H. Checker. That's his official title. These guys have been on the go for thousands of years, thousands of years, using secret societies and forming new secret societies. Uh, and in the last couple of centuries, they've added female societies to it, although uh, the females, as Albert Pike said, are not allowed into the true degrees. They're given side degrees, which are false degrees, because, because females, according to them, are unable to understand the higher mysteries because of emotion. They don't like women very much at all, to be honest with you. And that's part of this whole agenda at the top, is to eliminate any problematic uh, types within society, including women itself. They want a new type of human being that can be either cloned or reproduce itself, maybe be primarily male or, or left-brained in aspect. This this can be traced all the way back to the allegories of serpents. Not serpent people, by the way, that the counterintelligence boys has got everyone mystified about, walking reptiles, etc. Very good for the imagination, and it certainly catches the unwary, it seems, because lots of them phone me to explain all this rubbish to them. And I have to tell them that counterintelligence takes real truths using real people and real history, mixes it with farce, and you throw the baby out with the bathwater, However, you'd be tremendously amused if you follow along those particular routes. The serpent really is the left part of the brain. It's logic and intellect. That's what it represents. Uh, the other part, of course, is emotion, often represented as the female. The Egyptian pharaohs wore the Ouroboros around their head, which is the, 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 the serpent in a circle around their head, meaning all-encompassing. It meant that everything that happened inside that mind uh, was perfected. Uh, it was perfected by intellect dominating over emotion. And it was guarded, the forehead was guarded by the cobra, the snake, the symbol of pure intellect. No emotion in a snake, you see. That's what it always simply meant. And even the early figures of Christianity had Jesus Christ on the cross surrounded and intertwined with the serpent, meaning logic had, had broken over and won over pure emotion. There's much, much more to the story uh, than the people have ever been told. Much, much more. And uh, I used to go into this in great detail with select few people who are able 
to be taught the, the higher mysteries. We live in, we live in a, to say, a tremendous, a tremendously uh, manipulated world, including the use of religions and societies and clubs and organizations which have a capstone. The capstone is the top think tank, basically, that runs the world. All the, the, the boulders or shaped stones or ashlars beneath them are the organizations which make it work. Even on the dollar bill, the U.S. dollar bill, the pyramid stands, if you look at the bottom, on a wasteland. The wasteland is the world of the profane, those who are not organized. They're too emotional. They have wrong thinking. They have wrong will and they have wrong action, which really are the three unworthy craftsmen, as they call it in Freemasonry. Freemasonry itself is totally corrupt, as all institutions must become after a short time. Sometimes truth starts off within a small group until it becomes a bigger institution, but they always become corrupted uh, through living in the world, the world of matter, the same word that mother comes from, mother and the matrix, in fact. There's the battle between the spirit, the battle between the earth itself with physical needs, because in the law of nature, there's no right or wrong as such. It's a pretty cruel world. Nature doesn't care what happens to you or that little deer, little Bambi that gets eaten by the big bad wolf. That's the reality of the world of matter. The struggle is always for spirit to overcome it and go beyond it. And that's called the escape, the great escape. The, the, great, the first true leap forward is to escape from the pure world of matter by becoming illumined, as they used to say, not the illumination of the Weishaupts and all the other psychopaths that grabbed on the, the, the bandwagon rather early. Now remember, tomorrow, Jack Otto, his show will be taken by John Stadmiller, who's back from holidays, and he'll be standing in tomorrow, that Saturday. Now, if there's any more callers, you should get your calls in quick, because we're getting to the end of this hour. Meanwhile, I'll continue a little bit with, as I say, a little bit of the mysteries, the stuff that's had people confused for an awful long time, and uh, I know that will continue to do so if they keep churning out well-paid authors with big backing to confuse us even further. In ancient times, the pole star was Draco. Draco was simply the charting of that star as it moved around the ecliptic, uh, the elliptic. We're not really concentric when we spin this planet. We have a little wobble of five degrees on the other side, five and a half degrees. But when you chart the stars, you can follow a snake-type pattern. So they put a snake with wings and called it a dragon.
again, standing in for John Stadmiller. And before the break there, I was talking about some of the original meanings of things which have confused people uh, intentionally, mind you, uh, by those who rule our minds, our, our religions, and now our sciences, because the, the new white-coated priests are called science scientists and experts. And we're taught to believe them, just as we were taught to believe everything that ministers and priests have said, and rabbis all down through the ages. It's the same old con game. The, uh, the, the ancient cults which studied the movements of the sun, the moon, and the stars charted them. And when you chart the movements of them, you'll see patterns. And therefore, they would put names on these patterns. If you followed Venus, for instance, you'll have what they now call the Star of David over the course of a year. These were always, these were known before Plato's time, before Pythagoras' time. They've been studied thousands and thousands of years ago, a long, long time, long before uh, we're told they started at 10,000 BC. It's more like 250,000 BC because for empirical testing and for, for watching and observing the great zodiac, which takes 25,500 years to complete, you had to at least have watched it once before to say, well, it's happened again exactly the same way. That's how precise all of this is. And that's why knowledge is never lost, is always kept by a few during what they call ages, the changing over of ages. We're now moving from the age of the fish, you might say, the age where Jesus uh, ruled the son of the son, the son of God, into the age of Aquarius, Aquarius, where a new type of human is placed in the stars. Uh, that's not really male nor female. If you look at the, at the story behind Aquarius, who was the most beautiful boy, who ever existed on the Grecian islands and fell into the sea and then was raped by Zeus because the deity or the demiurgos doesn't mind who or what he rapes. Generally, it's done for power's sake, being a good psychopath himself, which we're all supposed to emulate, in fact. That's behind the stories of the stories. When you understand these things and you understand the psychopathic personalities who know what I know and who are taught this in schools which are not available to the general public, then you'll understand what we're really, really up against because we're dealing with people who in a sense think and believe that they are gods and they have the power of life and death over everyone. They discuss it quite calmly at their meetings. They discuss the bringing down of their populations and to a desirable amount. So I'll finish here for today. I hear the music coming in, and I'll just say tune in tomorrow for John Stadmiller, who'll be filling in for, for Mr. Otto. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>